0: welcome to for the long run the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long strong and motivated i'm your host jonathan levitt through personal and professional connections in the running world i have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes i've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more i hope you enjoy
1: And welcome
0: back. I have Becky Spellman here with me today. Becky, thanks for joining in.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. I've uh, I wanted to chat with you on here for a while, so it's uh, it's fun to to finally make it happen. Uh, unfortunately, it's not in person, but um, I'm sure it'll be just as fun.
1: Yes, I'm sure it will.
0: <laughs> so for those who don't know, who is Becky?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm 36. I'm from Ohio, uh, originally from the Baltimore area, but Ohio has definitely been uh, home for the vast majority of my life. Uh, I'm a mom of twins. They're five years old. And I I run. <laughs> yeah, I've been running <laughs> since I was 12 years old. Uh, so uh, for quite some time. And I've been really just blessed to, I guess, be able... Um, to stay healthy enough to stay in the sport and uh, chase after my dreams, and still feel like there are goals out there I want to achieve, and that I still have the ability to do it, so I'm still still chasing those.
0: Cool. What I love about you and your running is that you've run the Olympic trials four times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that that's some that's some longevity in the sport. Uh, what was what was qualifying for the first time like?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I planned to run the Columbus Marathon here in Ohio um, in October of, gosh, 2007. And I got injured about three weeks out, Achilles injury, and realized there's just no way to get to the start line ready to race. Uh, backed off um, and decided like my shot was kind of over. And then um, training had started going pretty well. Again, so I decided I'd try and find um, a race I could do. Reached out to the Austin Marathon race director, Jim Conley, at the time. And he was like, you know, this isn't a fast course. It's very hilly. And I said, I don't care. All I'm looking for is a chance. And um, he was like, it's not hilly. I mean, it's not the type of course that you're going to want. And I was like, yeah, but it's my only shot. It's February the races in April and you know, I don't have a ton of options available to me. Um, and so my first marathon was then in Austin. He finally said, yeah, yeah, fine. Whatever. Um, please come. And, <laughs> uh, so I did and it was hilly, but I was, I don't mind hills. I really actually enjoy them. I'm not by any stretch of anyone's imagination. Um, great at hills, but I I like them. They don't bother me. I don't mind hilly courses. Uh, so I showed up and things went really well. And, um, I just told myself over and over again, anything under 622 is a win. And, uh, at the time the standard was 246 and I kept clicking off miles that were going really well, um, under that. And I mean, it was a bit surreal. Um, I remember just thinking over and over again, like, did this really happen? Like, did I really, did I really qualify to the trials? Like yeah, I was 24 years old and just really excited. Um, you know, I didn't have a ton of accolades in the past from college or high school. Um, so I just was, yeah, it was definitely surreal for me. Just I had to remind myself over and over again, like I was capable of doing things that I always believed I could. And it wasn't just this, you know, pipe dream. It was, it was real for me
0: and then so fast forward uh a, a few years and Atlanta 2020 yeah. which uh feels like a year ago at, at this point <laughs> we're like 3 weeks out yeah um i think 3 weeks out uh what was what was that experience like and and how does that compare to um to the first trials you ran
1: yeah i mean the first Olympic trials were in boston it was just women no men um and i was just scared i mean i was in awe of every person i saw i I mean, I still am many times when I'm there, but, you know, just, uh, really nervous, uh, ball of maybe negative energy in Boston, um, for myself. But then, you know, in Atlanta, one of the really neat things was I was just relaxed. I came in having, uh, tore my Achilles, um, last year. So quite out of shape, really no business racing a marathon, I knew there, I mean, there was no way I could honestly race it, um, very well. So my mindset was really just to enjoy it, um, to have fun with it, to run as far as I could and, um, walk away from the race still healthy. Uh, I did not finish. So, um, but I walked away healthy. Uh, so honestly, Atlanta was probably the opposite. I honestly haven't thought about it compared to Boston. I was anything but nervous I was just thrilled to be there I was soaking in everything just the hype the excitement um you know the 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 crowds were fantastic it was amazing to see so many people I mean after this long in the sport I know a lot of people um that are part of the sport and have been a um Wonderful part of my life, and seeing faces that I even forgot were going to be there or haven't spoken to in a long time on the side um cheering and just enjoying the day it uh, was i mean it was a one of the one of the more incredible race experiences of my life, and you know despite not knowing that finishing was probably out of my league on the day
0: <laughs> so if you think back to maybe 10 years ago, um, would, do you think you could have had the same experience starting a race and knowing that you might not finish?
1: Oh, heavens no. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know if it's a lack of maturity or just a lack of life. Uh, but I mean gosh, if you told me 10 years ago, I would be able to kind of shrug off a non, you know, not finishing at the Olympic trials, I probably would have cried thinking about it. Uh, And, you know, most certainly, I did tear up a little bit, just telling my family, like, hey, I'm done, I'm gonna head to the, to the, um, to the finish area. But, you know, it was more just like, a well, you know, this is where the journey for a victory lap. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was more like I'm bummed this is over versus I'm sad for myself or anything. It was more just like, you know, that sort of feeling. Yeah. I I most certainly 10 years ago, goodness. No, I definitely hard. No, there's no way I could have, I could have believed that I could walk away with a smile on my face. (laughs)
0: Well, what was the energy like on the start line? I've spoken with a few women that, that raced, and their feedback was you know, the start line was incredible, but the, the next two minutes were surreal because everyone was running the same pace.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I kind of knew that would happen. You know, you throw together 500 people who have all run within the vast majority who have all run within 10 minutes of each other, you know, you're going to have. Um, That's going to happen. And, um, so I, it was, it was, it was really, it was kind of fun. I mean, I didn't want to do that forever, but, um, it was just, you know, making sure I didn't knock anyone over. I unfortunately did in 2012, (laughs) I clipped someone's heel and they went down hard. Um, and, uh, I don't know who it was. I, but I know it happened. Um, and just stay on my feet. I didn't want to be one of the people who fell. I didn't want anyone to fall, but I wanted to make sure I stayed on my feet. So just kind of kept my hands open, ready to like touch someone, make sure we didn't collide in a way that was going to lead to either of us falling. But it was pretty, I mean, it was still really fun. Um, And you know, it didn't feel like it really spread out for, yeah, like you said, those first couple of minutes, but even the whole first, um, like out peach tree, the whole entire way out. So whatever that is three and a half or four miles, you know, or yeah, three and a half miles, something like that really felt, um, just really tight, but not in a bad way. You know, it just, it was, again, I I had a different perspective than I've ever had walking into the race. So I was really just, I was just enjoying Mm -hmm. being there. So I think that might've, you know, had the same thing happens, um, in either of the three Olympic trials I've run prior, I think I would have had a lot of anxiety.
0: (laughs) So it takes a lot to run successfully for, you know, 16 years or, you know, you said you've been running since you were 12. What, how has your, so, so the goal of this podcast is exploring the why and helping to understand and, explore what keeps runners running long, strong and motivated. So I love any opportunity I get to have someone like yourself on who has been doing it at a high level for a long time. So has, how has your, your why changed over Mm -hmm. the years?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I started running, it was, I liked winning. I liked kind of the attention of all of it. I really liked the accolade of like, you know, my family being excited about it. My coaches being excited about it. My teammates I really loved that aspect um, of just, yeah, I felt a sense of pride, something I hadn't felt before, um, you know, at 12 years old. Uh, and a ton of opportunities for that. And I did well in school. But other than that, there wasn't um small town. I'm from a real small town. So it wasn't a ton of things you could get, a, you know, good attention for anyway. Um, so, you know, winning – I won my first um, – Mile race and kind of was hooked from there. I thought I'd be a sprinter. My sister was, she's 10 months older than me, so I kind of just kind of followed in her footsteps. But um, yeah, the why really started out as a selfish means to get attention and to feel proud of myself. And um, it, that mindset, you know, probably lasted into college, if I'm being honest with myself. I mean, I cared about my teammates, but I wasn't necessarily there for them. I don't think I realized how valuable um, they were, and I definitely took them for granted. I had a wonderful high school team, um, and I don't know that I um, that I really, yeah, I don't know that I really appreciated them as much as I should have when I was in it. Uh, once I got to college, I really started seeing the team aspect a lot more and realizing like I can contribute to this. I can. Make choices that help other people feel the same sense of pride that I feel, and I enjoy feeling. And that became my why: how to make my teammates, you know, help my teammates to be part of that, um, to be there for them. And then, as an adult, it's most certainly just become about um, the people and uh, in, in the sport, in particular for me, the many women that um, have been brought into my life from my running camp, I put on from Wazell, um, and the people in the community near, um, in and about Ohio area that have just really supported me over the years and become great friends. You know, people, I stay the night at their house when I'm in town, people I check in on people that check in on me and, um, you know, One of them babysat my kids when they were really little. um, A retired teacher, Diane, and just amazing people that come together to support one another and give give the reason, you know, a little a little extra reason behind every step. Like I want them to be proud. I want them to know how much I care about them um, when I'm in when I'm racing in the city that they're in and get to spend time with them and how proud I am of their efforts and their, um, you know, their goals and their, uh, the sacrifices that they make to achieve those things. I think it's really just become about a support system over the years where, uh, you know, when I was young, it certainly was, um, more, significantly more out of selfish ambition think that kind of answers it cool
0: i love how i love how it's yeah i love how it's evolved um and it's sort of like a natural progression and then how did you get go how did you get started with the running camps
1: yeah uh so i've been to quite a few of wazelle's running camps and anna weber a teammate um who also runs her Wazell, and i were talking about just like Uh, You know, the camp there is really about empowering women, which we are 100% for, uh, but we really wanted it to be more run specific. And so we, you know, um, started doing stuff with like functional movement, mental uh, training and things along those lines, started talking about how this, what that would look like, and um, got a lot of great feedback from people who are like, we are really interested in seeing what this would be. And so we started it last year, unfortunately, it's supposed to be starting tomorrow um, in Austin. um, And this year, we will be doing it via Zoom, a few of our sessions, (laughs) and uh, look forward to 2021.
0: Cool. How did you get linked up with Wazelle originally?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think it was 2009. I, it it might've been 2010. I think it was 2009. Um, got a pair of their shorts and I was like, these are pretty great. And so I was looking at, um, just their online site, which had, I think like 12 items, very small, brand new company. They started in 2007, if my memory serves me correctly. And I reached out to Sally, um, the owner and CEO and said like, Hey, you're no one. I'm no one. Do you want to be no one together? And she was like, yeah, let's do this. And then like they became someone right. And, like, <laughs> um, and they just like brought me along. So yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I just reached out and was like, so what's up? Uh, you guys want like someone in Ohio who likes your stuff? And they were like, yeah. And, um, and then I, I really had no idea what an incredible company um, of support they were going to be, not only for myself, but watching them support people I care about, watching and not even on the elite level, just in general being a support system. I had no idea what I was getting into, but it's been an incredible ride for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I've been with them for quite some time.
0: And how has that, how has that evolved? I've loved watching them grow over the years as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it started with like, I had four Wazelle items that I was like scared to death to lose because, you know, races, you like strip off your pants. I'm like, these are my only pants. But, um, and I also was so young, you know, I didn't, I didn't have uh, much income. So I was, I mean, and they were taking care of me, but you know, I was like scared to lose my stuff. And then, um, over time it just turned into Wazelle was growing. And I think, from from the outside looking in, it really seemed to me like they were growing because they were showing people how much they cared about the sport. Um, they were putting time into fighting for rights within the sport for the athletes. And these were all things I really wanted to be part of. So I started just doing my own small things on the side where I was reaching out to people who were involved and um, helping um, in ways that made sense to me in my in a smaller, much smaller way. Um, but that we're still part of the cause, uh, you know, reaching out, building up those relationships and just being able to be a part of a small part of what they were doing allowed me to grow as a person, allowed me to see things in a bigger picture, um, than I had before to understand, you know, maybe life wasn't all about me. And, um, it wasn't just about my running, but it was about how, being given a voice because of them was able to help me to help other people. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely changed over the years. You know, I started it with just like a hope for some free gear and it turned into um, a lifestyle full of so many incredible people that it's kind of hard to put words to.
0: Cool. And so another piece of the, of the puzzle um sort of continuing on the idea of, of your own running, helping others. Um, where did coaching come into play?
1: Yeah, I started coaching in 2006. Um, I was working at a running store, uh, managing running store and just writing plans, kind of generic ish plans that were just slightly tailored to help other people. I was really lucky in college and I had a coach who would have us write our own programs and then tear them to shreds and tell us like how this was not <laughs> at all intelligent. <laughs> and, but it taught me to, <laughs> that, I mean, that's the really four
0: tempos a week and too <laughs> yeah, long. <Ryan>. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and it, just, it taught me like some, some ideas that I thought were fascinating, but it more so made me a student of the sport. So uh, just, Started, yeah, when I started working, I had a ton of reading behind what I'd done. I'd read tons of different um, philosophies and just ways that people um, trained and, you know, saw that not everything worked well for everyone. And so um, I was hired on at Wright State at uh, Division I School in Dayton, Ohio um, in 2009, I think. And so I coached at the division one level for two and a half years before um I got divorced and decided to move uh, out of Dayton. So I didn't stick with them, but really loved it. And that's when things were kind of like, oh wow. Like I'm back in a running store. I really miss coaching. And that's when I started coaching online. And I had me you know three or four. Um athletes I was working with and kind of toying with the ideas of like do I make a cookie cutter plan and then tweak it for everyone and finally decided no like if I want to coach I really want to get to know the athlete get to know the person get to know what makes them tick and how to best serve them as an athlete so um you know slowly started building um yeah just a number of athletes that I work with and uh, you know now i i make i i make it like it's it's a full-time job so yeah i love it and i work i work pretty hard at it but i think the relationships um in coaching for me are what's kept me in it so long and really just enjoying doing it with like no desire to stop i really love getting to meet the people and getting to know them over time
0: cool do you get to see your athletes race or is it is it mostly um online?
1: It's mostly online. Um, I tried to, I tried to do a meetup. Like last year I did one with 14 of my athletes came to the Akron marathon. So I had the pleasure of watching them race there. Um, I also will, uh, have been lucky, you know, to just be at the same races as my athletes where I'll be able to like Richmond, for example, I had a number of athletes there. So I ran the half finished and then was able to cheer on, I think I had six athletes um, in the full. So get to see them a little bit. Um, And then whenever I'm in a place where my athletes are, I try to meet up as well. So I do travel to race um, and try try to pull everyone together when I get the chances also.
0: What do you have uh, that you're looking forward to in the next couple of years, uh, yeah. from a from a big, scary goal standpoint?
1: Yeah. Um, so i I've dropped out of more than one marathon. Actually, um, <laughs> I dropped out of my marathon prior to the Olympic trials as well at CIM in. 2018 was my last marathon. Prior to that, I dropped out. um, Thinking I had a cold going in, and I knew it was probably going to be a tough day, which was a bummer because I was the fittest I've ever been, and really thought I had a shot at breaking 2:35. Um, My PR is 2:40 and 16 seconds, so that would have been a big PR for me. And it's also from 2009, so it would have been a great, a great thing to finally, finally break that PR. Well. Um, I felt terrible in the race. I tried to just like Becky, you gotta let this go. You're really fit. You don't wanna waste this opportunity. But uh like my arms were aching by like mile two. I was just really struggling. And I came through like 16 miles right on six minute pace. Um, and obviously given the circumstances of the past year tearing my Achilles golly, I wish I could go back and just force my way through it. But uh I dropped out and found out <laughs> I had pneumonia. Um Three days later, so I felt a little justified in my choice to drop out. However, um, yeah, my big hairy scary goal is get back in that sort of shape um, and and finally break two forty and hopefully two thirty five along the way. Um, When I tore my Achilles and had the surgery um, last year, my doctor told my doctor told me he didn't expect me to ever um, fully recover. That he expected eighty percent to be uh what i what I would be able to get back at, and um i'm i I'm pretty confident and hopeful that that is not a real limitation. <laughs> so um, I have a cool. lot to be thankful for.
0: What will it take to get that two
1: thirty five like a year and a half at least uh, just i think <laughs> I think time for me, tempo runs are really challenging. I'm not, I'm much better at speed. Um, I ran the mile and the steeplechase in college. Uh, that side of things comes a lot more naturally for me. Um, so, I mean, I can always run decent 400s. It is not indicative of my fitness in any, in any way. Um, I can run great 400s probably any, you know, any day and, um, look fit, but, when it comes down to racing, they don't mean anything for me. It's really the longer tempos, two by five miles, two by six miles, sixteen miles, a marathon pace, whatever that. You know, those type of workouts for me um, are what have to, I have to be very, very diligent about. Forcing isn't the word I want to use, but really putting my effort into those type of workouts when they're when they're presented. Um, I also am not getting younger uh and the older i get uh the more important i realize it is to have a strong um body so doing being very diligent about doing core which i hate and strength which i hate more than core um are two things that <laughs> you know i would if i could just run and never do anything i'd be thrilled but that's very unrealistic yeah. uh so i'm doing i do core at least 4 days a week try to do 5 um, and strength three days a week. And those are things, you know, I did, I didn't, I didn't do um, for years, a lot of years, but the older I get and the long and the, the older I get, the more I'm like, well, you know, I thought I'd quit running when I was in my forties, but that's not real. Like I'll quit when I'm in my fifties, the older I get, the more <laughs> I want to stretch this out. So the more I'm realizing I'm going to have to do those sort of things to stay healthy and stay in the sport.
0: Cool. Do you do um, do you do any mental training too?
1: I do. I don't work with anyone anymore. I used to work with a man named Sean Goodsell out of Minnesota, um, and he gave me quite a quite a number of tools to use. And i I do a lot of visualization going into big races. Um, we'll set aside maybe ten minutes every day for the two weeks um, leading up to the race, and. Um, prior to that, maybe like three times a week, spend time really thinking about what the goal is, what I want, and what things I'm gonna have to overcome in order to achieve that. Um, I'd love to like just believe I win every race and think and like have that work, but it never does. So I have to think of through the things that bother me um more than anything. Feeling crummy, having someone pull away from me, uh missing a water bottle, depend you know, those sort of things. I have to think of the things that will cause me anxiety and already be making this conscious decision over and over again to make the, you know, if you will, like in air quotes here, right choice, like make the choices that allow me to calm down and stay focused and in control of what I'm doing. Um, so I do that a lot. And then, um, I also just have a journal that I write, um, just confidence building stuff in just to remind myself, um, you know, the great things that have happened within a training block or even just a given day.
0: That kind of self-reflection is awesome. What do you wish you knew when you started running? Or maybe, you know, as a 20-year-old or 22-year-old that you know now?
1: Ooh. Um I think I think that running is just running would be something. I mean not knowing when to quit has really benefited me in many ways. Um, but also at the same time, it's also, it's hurt me. I mean, I've been injured a lot. Um, and rolling with the punches is something I'm very good at and has, um, like I said, benefited me very much, but I do, I wish that I would have saw running as running instead of as like this all consuming life thing. I mean, not that, not that I wouldn't give the time or effort the same way, just that I wouldn't let it negatively affect me when things weren't going well. Um, I mean, I'm very well known in my family for being a total bitch when I'm when I'm not running well, I mean, like if things aren't going well and running, things aren't going well for anyone. And, um, you know, that's like my mom in particular, like if Becky's not running, just don't bring her home. Like she doesn't need to come home. And, um, I mean, things have changed over the years and I've gotten better, but for sure, I wish I could go back and tell myself like a bad tempo run is just a bad tempo run. It's nothing. It's not real. If you would chill out, you'd first off run better and second off, enjoy life more. Um, So, yeah, I think I wish I could just kind of throw away the silly anxiety that I realized was just self-imposed and had nothing to do with actually being a good athlete.
0: I think that's um, it's something that we're all sort of working on. Um, I so but then there's the there's the piece where it's, you know, when it's going well, it's going really well. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, and, and life goes really well too. So it's like trying to figure out how do you take the lessons from the highs and sort of extrapolate that into life when the running is on the lower side. So your coach, how do you, how do you give guidance to your athletes that may be in a situation like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, so one of the things I think I've learned over the years, which I, I, I mean, my athletes, I'm sure, all know this, but a lot of—I mean, I've done a ton of reading. I spend a lot of time researching what can work for different for different people. But a lot of what they they see is from my experience um, and from experiences of those around me that I'm close to. Um, but you know, when when one of my athletes is struggling through something, I just try to remind them like there's an ebb and flow to all of this. And at the end of the day, this is just running like we we get to do this. We don't have to do this. And a lot of the time, I think once they it's something that saying it doesn't I don't feel like always fixes anything. But once it that becomes real to someone like this is this is something I get to do. This is a privilege. I think running mm-hmm. starts to feel more freeing and less like a chore, um, you know on the, when things are going bad. And when you can look at it as like, I, here, I'm at point A or wherever you are. And, you know, I, I know that my goals seem so far away, but every day gives me an opportunity to work toward that. Even if, you know, you're three months injured and you're working your way back and you're really struggling, um, it can be hard to see it in the moment which is why i think writing down some good confidence things in each day can be big because you can look back at your training log and see um you know th- yeah this week in my opinion sucked but 3 months ago my gosh like i would have been thrilled to have this week i'm i'm losing focus on yeah. um, on that you know f- and with my um with my achilles injury i really struggled with that and had to look back and see like wow I've come a lot further than I think I have and I've been really lucky actually one of my athletes um, Melissa Mulman she's just an angel she's also a psychologist and she'll be like Becky like or is that what you would tell one of us like she'll remind me like <laughs> I hope you're being kind to yourself because you wouldn't let one of us act like this and she's right and so right. really uh, good perspective um, you know I've got people looking out for me too but yeah, I would I would definitely just tell my athletes to like keep looking back and remembering how far you've come instead of worrying about where you're not.
0: Definitely. So the ebb and flow is is interesting. Um I just and and it applies to life outside mm-hmm. of running, too. Um I just had a call with the with our CEO and and my boss and we were talking about like the business right now it's ebbing and it's flowing and you know uh so is the economy and so are you know most people's livelihoods and it's it's what makes it interesting right like Mm -hmm. we you get to figure out how to dig out of the low yeah and that's exciting and that's like where where all the fun is yeah um the highs i don't think the highs would be as high without you know the the lows um being so low
1: yeah No, totally agree. I mean, I think we all do this because we enjoy a challenge. And if we took the challenge of it away and we were all just like winning New York City, I mean, it would be not, (laughs) I mean, sorry, Shalane, don't get me wrong. You know, it's amazing. (laughs) And I would be thrilled. But if we all did it, like, you know, the thrill would be missing for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally agree.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's. I think that's the whole point of it all. Like, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I talked with Shalane last week about that exact moment. And she was like, I, I pictured this for my, like, this is what the, the moment that I've been dreaming about for my whole career. And I was like, did you want it to last forever? And her answer was no, it was partly. I wanted it to last forever and partly it needed to end as soon as possible so that I could be sure that it was going to turn out the way yeah. she wanted it. to yeah. turn out. Um, But what she was saying was like, that's like, she's come from so far, we've come from so far and, and these astronomically high highs are that much higher as a result. Um, I think about my own running. Um, I didn't race. I raced Boston in 2017 and I didn't race again. And I didn't race a marathon again until uh, May of 2019 Mm -hmm. and 27, the rest of 2017, that marathon was brutal, Boston. (laughs) Um, I ran an hour over goal time (laughs) and, uh, and I didn't recover for a while. And I was sort of like, like in the depths of running for a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just kept putting, you know, one foot in front of the other and things weren't going well. And then, um, I got to the start line for the Providence marathon that, that, uh, May that May of 2019 mm-hmm. and it was like a totally different place and the lows give you the gratitude yes to be present in in the moment yeah um so is is gratitude something that you that you practice I found that yeah. with a lot of successful athletes it's like a big component of of what they do
1: yeah I mean I yes absolutely um you know, just remember. You know, there there have been times when motivation is lacking, and I remind myself, you're gonna want to be fast one day. So you're healthy right now. So get the work in, and when that day shows up, you'll be ready. Um, and I, you know, having running taken away from me a number of times due to injuries, and seeing it taken away from others that I care about, um, I think more than anything has taught me like not to not to take it for granted. And I mean, right now, currently, I don't know if I've ever been so happy <laughs> running. Um, yeah. I'm really finding joy in it. You know, a year ago, right now, I couldn't run at all. I was in quite a bit of pain. Um, and just walking around. So and I had a long road ahead of me. Um, and, you know, I think often, especially when I'm struggling out there, I think you know, well, it's significantly better than the position I was in a year ago today. Um, And it does put a smile on my face. And I think that was, I think gratitude, um, just constantly reminding myself how lucky I was, one, to to be qualified in Atlanta to run in the Olympic trials, two, to have such an incredible support system, and three, to be healthy enough to be on the start line, Um, I, I think that's why Atlanta for me was just such a joy. Like I, I couldn't have had, it was impossible to have more fun than I had. I, and I really think (laughs) it's just because I was so thankful for every little thing. Like I'm here, this is wonderful. I don't really care. I can only control what I can control. And I wasn't worried about anything outside of my own control. And I was just soaking in all the wonderful things that were, you know, there in that moment and in that time. Yeah, I really think that practicing that and part of the things I write down every day in my running or just what I what I am thankful for, um, whether it be what my body was able to do, or just nice weather if you know, my body didn't feel like showing up that day. Um, you know, there's always something that I can, I can find to look at and be like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm really glad this is what I'm doing.
0: Definitely. And I can definitely confirm that you were super happy in Atlanta because I saw you at the Wazelle party and you had a crowd around you every time I (laughs) I tried to come up and say hello. You looked, you were like dancing around and having so much fun. I felt bad interrupting. Um, (laughs) that was quite the, quite the after party. (laughs) No worries.
1: Um, (laughs) fun. (laughs)
0: That is for sure. Um, so yeah, I think gratitude is a practice that, um, is, is so simple, but so powerful. I had a a really interesting conversation with, um, Alphine about gratitude and, and sort of how it has played a role in her journey. Um, she's like, I wouldn't be here without gratitude. I, I, um, you looking back on where she's come from it's it's fascinating to to watch a story like that evolve and mm-hmm. um and what was really interesting was she was like yeah i won the race but i'm still the same person and i'm still you know appreciative of my past and i'm still appreciative of where i came from um and so i think that if you can get to the start line with that kind of gratitude you can do anything so like i was saying i stood on that start line in providence last spring and I had been trying to break three in the marathon for four years, okay. and I was, I think, 0 for four <laughs> um, with with a four hundred one to my name <laughs> in a in a sub three attempt. Um, and I stood on that start line. I didn't give a shit about the race <laughs> in in the best way possible. I yeah. was like, I was like, I'm here. That's a win. It yeah. was raining. It was cool um and i couldn't stop smiling and the race started and i kept seeing 640s click off my watch and i was like i've never run like this 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 pace has never been this easy and yeah. it felt like flying and i think that's like it's like a mix of flow and like being like fully present yeah and And I'm like getting goosebumps talking about it, but I think that that if you can get, yeah, if you can get to that point, it's, it's powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think maturity does. I mean, I've met, you know, younger women that I'm like, how did you get here so quick? They are just, they've got it. They've figured (laughs) it out. Um, But, you know, I do think maturity and time in the sport, which is why I love seeing, I mean. I, I want the Olympic trial standard, not that this is what you asked me, but I want the Olympic trial standard to get tightened a little bit. But I hope that it stays wide mm-hmm. enough that we've got women still chasing, not women scared um, of like failing, more so women who are, who are there to chase. And I, I think 242 or 243 type time would still completely open uh, those doors. But seeing so many young women willing to go after it. Um, is, you know, in 2008, it wasn't the same story. It was very, even with the standard being so low, like seeing how things have changed in terms of women's running um, from the inside has been, I mean, truly incredible. Um, So I really hope that the door uh, continues to stay open for many, many women, um, because I think that it just empowers their lives and watching the difference between you know, a 32 year old woman on a start line and the 25 year old, um, oftentimes you, you see a lot of the older, if you will, women doing better because they have that maturity. They have that gratitude. They've lived through those type of scenarios where they finally decide, like, I get, I get to do this. It's not something I have to do. This is something I get to do and I get to love and pour myself into. So I really hope that it's why do people for keep people keep chasing. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um why do you, why do you think twice as many women qualified as men?
1: Oh, the men's standards harder. I mean, I, I that's what I think. I I I don't think it's a lack of men trying. I think I really think the men's standard is just a tighter standard. Um I think it's been that way for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I think enough women just so I- really went after it.
0: Yeah, but I, I don't, I I agree with that for sure. Um, but I also think that I was, I was having this conversation with Erin Strout mm-hmm. and um, we did a podcast prior to the trials and her point was um, that what's cool with, with women's running is that it's like a collective movement mm-hmm. and you have... Women sharing their story and sharing the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows. And I'd say outside of like a handful of dudes talking Peter Bromka, Tommy uh, Pusey um, and people like that, like you can't think of all that many that are chasing the men's standard and sort of rallying others yeah. around it yeah i mean the women's I mean, the women's run- I think running literally movies. 50 Sorry. women
1: oh yeah no i mean no go ahead. there's definitely something going on and i i think um i think social change has happened a lot in the past 15 years or whatever it's been and you know women aren't afraid to say no i'm not going to have kids yet i'm going to wait i don't you know i want or, or saying, I have kids and I can still be a person. I don't have to just stay home, yeah. just take care of my kids. I can have social interaction. I can run. I can chase after my dreams. I think that that's changed a lot and the stigma behind it has not necessarily 100% changed, but has, um, you know, made a shift. And I think women are loving being able to be a part of that, too. I think it's empowering to feel like you're doing something, um, maybe socially, even if it's only really affecting our small bubbles. um, Like, a lot, you know, I think social things, you know, ripple effect, but still, you know, feeling like you're doing something that's bigger than yourself is super empowering. And, um i mean who we all we all want that i think uh, no one they're very okay most people you know wouldn't shy away from from doing something bigger than themselves and feeling like they're a part of that and i think that's really really amazing like i i um ran columbus in 2008 through 20 miles at 3 4 at 245 pace um just to help as many women as i could Get the standard, and I mean, it felt like I wasn't even running. You know, it was it was easy. It, it wasn't, <laughs> but it was because it was bigger than me. It wasn't me. Uh, you know, right. I was. It had nothing to yeah, do. Yeah, it's with fascinating me. how.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating how when when you do it for someone else, it's mm-hmm. like, a, it's like a totally different effort.
1: And I think you, you know, you go to CIM, you go to grandmas, you go to those races where a lot of women are coming together, and you get that type of synergy going. And, you know, you might not even necessarily be quite as fit as you're running. But it sure as hell feels like, <laughs> it. you know, like, how can you let go, yeah. you know, and by time, by time, you're tired enough to realize, like, shit, this is really hard. It's like, yeah, well I only have 3 more miles and I've come this far I'm doing the thing you know. <laughs> so, I think there I think yeah. I do I really I agree with what um you're saying that, you know, just it's in, it is it's incredible. There's something happening and women are supporting each other and pulling each other along and feeling like what they're doing is making a difference even if it is just in the running community. Um I think it's bigger than that, but even if it was just that, I think that that is motivation and um. Really, like it's really exciting to to watch, having seen it change over the years.
0: Cool. Um, what are you scared of?
1: Like the dark? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? carry <laughs> um, my Achilles again? I mean, I am also afraid of the dark. But um, like yeah, my kids <laughs> like know this too. They're like, oh, mom, she's so weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. <sighs> I mean, honest, in running, my biggest fear is not is, is, is going to bed at night when I'm 50 years old, wondering what if? Like, what if I would have tried harder? What if I would have given myself another shot, you know, whatever that might be? I want to I know I gave and I feel like I've done a decent job of this over the years, but I feel like there's still more to give. So I want to know that when I'm done um, running competitively, I gave the best I could and got that out of myself. Yeah, so I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of not doing that. <laughs> and up from a running Um I love,
0: um, love asking, I love asking that question because sometimes people will say something like, "I like you said, I'm afraid of the dark," yeah. or they'll they'll you know launch into what you shared there. Um, others yeah. have said snakes yeah. or you know uh, <laughs> caterpillars or like <laughs> silly Who things said like that. Caterpillar. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't caterpillar. It was uh, scorpion. It was. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, where can we find you if you want to? If we want to follow along with your journey on social?
1: Yeah, Instagram is uh where I'm most active, and it's Becky Spell, B E C K I S P E L L. uh Same for Twitter, and then I'm just Becky Spellman on Facebook. Yeah.
0: Cool, Becky. Thanks so much for joining in today, and uh, we'll see you out there.
1: Okay. Thanks for having me.
0: That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run, and in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. Stay tuned for a bonus episode coming this Friday, where I'll be chatting with a pro runner who's lining up for a virtual edition of Boulder Boulder this Memorial Day. We'll talk virtual races, why they're important, and this runner's strategies. Enjoy!